0: The Eco Right Speaks podcast is your conservative home for weekly climate news, interviews, points of view, climate heroes, jesters, and so much more. We'll share the stories of people leading in their local communities and around the country. Welcome to the Eco Right Speaks podcast. It's brought to you by RepublicEN.org. Hello, and welcome to the Eco Right
1: Speaks Your climate focused podcast produced by the team at republicen.org. I'm your host, Chelsea Henderson, cruising into November with open arms. I love a cozy sweater, a glass of wine in front of the fireplace, and of course, the upcoming holidays. And I'm even excited for my birthday this year, which I'm sure I will remind you about again. But first, today's guest is someone truly special. Courtney Piper is a communications expert. A passionate advocate for innovation, a former candidate for local office, former political contributor, and was once, I just learned, a competitive swimmer. She also has four-year-old triplets. Listeners, I do not know how she does everything that she does. There's so much she has already achieved in life and in her career. In her current work, highlighting the importance of the advanced energy economy in her state of Tennessee is something that we are going to focus on today. As you will hear, in 2014, after years of outreach, Listening and hosting focus groups, Courtney launched the Tennessee Advanced Energy Business Council, which is comprised of members who champion advanced energy as a job creation and economic development strategy. They just issued a report a few months ago, which I will link in the show notes, detailing the strengths of the advanced energy economy in the volunteer state. I'm so excited for you to learn more about the advanced energy economy from Courtney. So without further ado, today's guest, Courtney Piper. Welcome back. I'm super excited to be sitting here today with my friend, Courtney Piper. Courtney, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks for having me, Chelsea. So
1: I have told you many times, Courtney, I have never been to Tennessee and I'm kind of embarrassed about it because now with you, my little side hustle, some of the work I do with you for you on communicating the messages around the advanced energy economy. There's so much going on in Tennessee that I feel like I want to see it. I want to be around it. Your state is amazing.
2: Well, thank you. Come, come on over. <laughs> we'd, we'd love to have you. We'd love to have you.
1: How's your winter? <laughs> I'm kidding.
2: It's mild. It's yeah. mild. You know, I'm originally from Michigan, and my blood has thinned a lot. It gets to be around 40 degrees here, and I'm thinking, oh, I need, I need a parka.
1: I turned the heat on last night. So, um, and being from Maine, I normally would not have done that. Um, So Courtney, as our listeners heard in the intro, you just have this long history now of not only working around the messaging of the good things happening in Tennessee with the advanced energy economy, but I think really driving it and driving the, um, the prominence of this industry to your state. So I was just curious, back when you founded or launched the um, Tennessee Advanced Energy Business Council, what compelled you to do that? What what need were you trying to fill or what what did you see that – compelled you to move forward?
2: Well, in my day job with Piper Communications, one of the first jobs I got was working on some federal climate and energy policy. And I was responsible for building an ad hoc business coalition in Tennessee and also helping about 14 other states do the same. When all of that work was done, I looked at what had been organized in the state of Tennessee, and I thought, you know, there are a lot more clean energy companies and assets in this state than anyone had probably ever realized. I wonder if they would all find value in coming together and having one voice. And so I ran focus groups across the state for about three years. Researchers, entrepreneurs, small business owners, large business owners across a variety of different energy industries, government officials, you know, every single kind of stakeholder you could think. And I asked them that question if an entity exists that represented the totality of what we had been calling the clean energy economy, would you find value in that and would you join it? And the answer that we got over all the focus groups over that three years was yes, we would find value in an organization that represented the totality of a clean energy economy, but we don't need another organization that's gonna debate whether a particular technology is clean, green, or sustainable. What we need is an organization that looks at energy innovation as a means to economic development and job creation. And I said, I can do that. (laughs) If I did that, would you join? And they all said yes. And so that's how the Tennessee Advanced Energy Business Council was born to champion advanced energy as an economic development and job creation strategy. And we are very intentional in that our definition of advanced energy is technology neutral. Anything that makes energy cleaner, safer, more secure, more efficient, it's in the tent and it includes electricity and transportation. It's all about taking that energy innovation and creating new jobs and new economic opportunity for Tennesseans.
1: Well, I think that's so smart, because sometimes we get caught up in the lexicon, right? So what is clean? And a few weeks ago, we had a guest talking about nuclear energy. And there are definitely people who don't think that nuclear energy is clean, but it's zero carbon emitting. And so I think just sort of putting all of those debates aside and having your broad umbrella definition is a really smart way to look at it. Because at the end of the day, all of those different technologies
2: achieve something positive. That's right. That's right. And it's we have found we have measured Tennessee's advanced energy economy over the last nine years now. And every single year we have found it has grown by leaps and bounds. And the, our last two reports that we put out, we found that Tennessee's advanced energy economy, its growth outpaced the growth of our overall state economy. So this is big business and it's real opportunity for us.
1: So just for um the joy of our listeners. What is the total global size of the advanced energy economy? Because
2: this astounds me. It's about $1.4 trillion. If you're going to measure it in dollars, it's giant. It's bigger than the airlines, I believe. Um, So if you want to put that into some context, there you go. It's huge.
1: And then what is Tennessee's portion of that pie?
2: Well, we know that Tennessee's advanced energy economy, as of our latest report in August of 2021, employs about 394 Tennesseans, 394,000 Tennesseans, contributes about $46 billion to our state's GDP, and includes over 20,000 businesses.
1: That is amazing, because I'm going to tell you, I have a feeling that A lot of the other 49 states don't know that this is happening and maybe you want to keep it all to yourself in Tennessee but I always feel like there's space to grow and there's there's enough of um we can just make the pie bigger so everyone can have a portion of the pie
2: absolutely and ever since I got into this business and I started the Tennessee Advanced Energy Business Council there were three big things that really stood out to me in the state of Tennessee which I think is why we are able to grab such a large share of this advanced energy economy and it keeps growing We have three assets in the state that are unique, very unique to our state. I don't know of any other place in the country that has them. So we have Oak Ridge National Lab, which is the Department of Energy's largest science and energy national laboratory. We have the University of Tennessee, which is a large land grant and research uh, institution in the state. And then we are also home to the Tennessee Valley Authority, the largest provider of public power that crosses over a seven-state region. Combining all those assets together has propelled our economic growth.
1: Well, and I think that is really important and also unique to the state of Tennessee. I, do you think it is because of the presence of those three big entities that you just mentioned that Tennessee became a magnet for EV manufacturers, electric
2: vehicle. Absolutely. Absolutely. That and to our governor's credit, I remember hearing this uh, presentation. I think it was in 2019. It was uh, maybe it was early 2020. It, it might have been early 2020. late. Anything before
1: the pandemic is just the before times.
2: <laughs> it was before the world shut down. I remember that. <laughs> But I was at um, another uh, trade association that represents some of the Department of Energy contractors in East Tennessee, and our Commissioner of Economic and Community Development was speaking on, you know, hey, here's our priorities, this is what we're going to do. Chelsea, my jaw almost hit the ground when I heard him say, I was talking to Governor Lee, and we've made a goal of making Tennessee the number one state in the country for the electric vehicle supply chain. And then he went on. He said point blank. The internal combustion engine is going away. It is going the way of the dinosaur. And I will be darned if our workforce, we have a huge automotive uh, workforce and presence in the state of Tennessee, thanks to our former governor, then Senator Lamar Alexander. He said, I'll be darned if this workforce that we have built up also goes extinct. They need to be retrained. They need to know there's new opportunities. Their skills are completely applicable to the way this industry is going if we provide them the support and we set this goal. And he just you you hear sort of politicians and their cabinet members make these big goals and you think, okay, well, this is great. What's behind it? Ever since he made that presentation at that group, we have had electric vehicle win after electric vehicle win. Whether it's a manufacturer like GM announcing, "Hey, we're going to open back up and we are going to manufacture electric vehicles from our Spring Hill plant," to Ford building a giant six-mile square, six-mile square campus for electric vehicles to produce batteries and trucks. Just the entire supply chain announcements up and down I-40 in the state of Tennessee. And it has been absolutely incredible. So to our governor's credit and our economic and community uh, development commissioner's credit, they saw where the industry was going. They saw where the industry is trending and they wanted to plant their flag. Now, what makes us even more attractive is because we have that research asset with Oak Ridge National Lab, and we have the research asset with the University of Tennessee that can train that workforce. And then we also have the Tennessee Valley Authority that had, because they provide public power, they have a three-pronged mission economic development, power generation, environmental stewardship. So they can get involved in economic development activities in a way like no other utility can. And that's how all those assets and just alignment across our our government all work together to consistently bring in these wins.
0: We're energy optimists and climate realists. Stand with us at RepublicEN.org. Now back to this week's episode.
1: Well, and that foresight that you talked about from the political top is really important too. And I wish we could, we did see more of that, not only in other states, but in other industries or in the same industry, right? And I'm not going to bash on any particular one, but we all have heard, you know, there's there is a concern, a legitimate concern about people losing jobs. Nobody wants to lose their job. And I think it's still a hard thing to swallow that you're going to have to be retrained for a new job. But if you're being retrained for a job and that job is going to pay more and that job is going to, you know, it's a choice between holding on to something that's old that no longer works for our society or being part of the change of the future. Then I think you want to be part of the change of the future. I mean, um, Bob Inglis has, I've heard him talk about, um, be, I think it was the way he says it is the, um, the buggy whip lobby, right. When the c- cars started to become a thing mm-hmm. was the buggy whip lobby out there saying no automobiles because people weren't going to buy buggy whips anymore. And it's sort I feel like we're sort of stuck in this spot where, you know, we want to make sure that whatever transition is smooth, but we have to move forward. We have to have that foresight. And to that point, I did want you to highlight, and you did say that, that many people are employed in the state in the advanced energy economy. But I think it's important to note that these are all very different types of jobs, that they're cross-sectional. They all contribute to the advanced energy economy, but they're not all people working at the EV plants, for example.
2: Correct. Correct. So we used county business pattern data to evaluate Tennessee's advanced energy economy. And we did that at the urging of our economist team at the Howard Baker Jr. Center for Public Policy at the University of Tennessee. County business pattern data allows us to get the most granular, granular level of detail of each and every, what's going on in each and every county. And we used a variety of different NACE codes, which is a code that's assigned to a particular kind of business, to create and crunch these numbers, and I can—they're in some basic categories. So one is the utility sector. So this would be TVA, uh, local uh, local power companies. You are working in the utility sector, and then there's construction, there's information and uh, and professional services. And we also have an other category, which were NACE codes that uh, were relevant to the advanced energy economy, but they don't necessarily fit into one of those those three categories.
1: Well, I just think that that's really important because, um, you know, you don't want to be pigeonholed into any one type of thing. It's like having a diverse portfolio. You want to have a little bit of everything. Um, what then? What messages would you? give to other states that also, and I know that Tennessee is not alone and I know that you are not alone in wanting to be top in the EV supply chain market. I'm rooting for you, but I know that there is competition, but what would you say to, if there was somebody listening who has your interest in trying to assemble, you know, a different type of advanced energy business council in their region, what advice would you have for somebody looking to do that?
2: Listen, You can get a lot of good information listening and not bringing in an agenda or your preconceived notions. So when we did these focus groups across the state, I had to do a lot of listening and really put aside whatever my professional or personal biases were. Mm -hmm. And once you're able to do that and you're, you're listening to what's gonna build the bridge, what is the common thing that links all of these people and these interests together, you can build something really strong that's going to have a really big impact on your economy in this case.
1: Right. I bet that the Tennessee Advanced Energy Business Council, as it is today, looks very different than how you envisioned it before you started your three years of focus grouping.
2: That's right. That's right. I had a lot of thoughts about, uh, so for example, when we had one of our now board members say, and a couple of other people say, we don't need an organization that's gonna debate whether a particular technology is clean, green, or sustainable, I thought, oh, well, how, you know, how are we gonna do this? That, that was not necessarily my vision going in, but I listened a lot. And that's what these business leaders and these government stakeholders and these utility industry leaders were telling me and so I said, well, if that's what they want, if that's what they are going to find value in, who am I to say, no, I know better than you. We're just going to change this around here. Yeah. So you know, I listened and I made something that I knew was going to give people what they wanted.
1: Do you still find that you encounter opposition or people that are skeptical of the advanced energy economy?
2: Yes. Chelsea, you would be surprised. I've done a lot of work for especially some of the state legislators and and politicians in the state of Tennessee who think that this advanced energy economy is rainbows, kittens and butterflies. It's just this nice thing over there and, you know, it's fine. It's not real. We're not really creating jobs. We're not really doing anything that's affecting anybody's livelihood, but we are. And I still find that to be a very uh, big hurdle to overcome is, is just continuing to drive home that point, bring in the right messengers, the right consistency of communication to show this is a growing and robust industry, so much so that it outpaces the growth of our overall state economy.
1: What would you say then the top two or three messages are when you're talking to people that uh, have that skepticism? Have you kind of honed down what grabs people's attention?
2: Yes. Letting people know that the our definition of advanced energy is technology neutral and going more into that helps. Mm-hmm. Having these economic impact reports helps also because then I can provide real data and real numbers to them. And as a matter of fact, I think that's why we have been able to a certain extent to help move the state of Tennessee in this direction with becoming an electric vehicle supply chain leader. We've also seen a lot of movement within the Tennessee Valley Authority. And I can remember in the early days of briefing some of their leadership teams on on these reports, on previous iterations of these reports. And each and every briefing, each and every time they would bring more people in, you could see these light bulbs go off. Huh, huh. And now, under the leadership of our new CEO Jeff Lyash, he has put an emphasis on innovation in the advanced energy economy. So you're seeing TBA get more engaged and involved in building up uh, the sector of our economy, and as they should, because economic development is part of their mission.
1: Right. So if anyone wants to look at these reports, I you know you had one in 2015, 2018, and then recently um, over the summer. And as somebody who helped with some of the editing and drafting of those, I personally got to see how those numbers just continue to rise, rise, rise over just a pretty short period of time. But I digress. Anyone that is interested in looking at either the most recent report or maybe even um, doing a little cross-sectional research, where could they find them?
2: All these reports are available on our website, which is TNAdvancedEnergy.com.
1: Great. Well, thank you so much for being on this show. I always love having an opportunity to talk to you. Um, Listeners, Courtney is just amazing. And I wish every state had somebody like you
2: working on the
1: advanced energy economy.
2: (laughs) Thank you, Chelsea. This has been great. Thanks for having me. Price, did you remember to fall
1: back and turn your clock?
0: Sure did, except uh forgot a few clocks in the house, uh, including the main one, the thermostat.
1: Oh no, that one doesn't automatically change?
0: It did not, no. I had huh? to manually go do it. The van, our cars uh, change, you know, via satellite, but no, the thermostat did not. But I'm happy to use that uh, electronically timed thermostat to save energy throughout the day uh, and when we're gone. So that little side note notwithstanding, but yes, did you remember?
1: Well, there's only one clock in my life that I have to change and it actually is in my car. (laughs) And I got in my car yesterday morning and was like, it's not 1030. I was like, right, it's 930, fall back. But I have to say, like, I am a morning person and it's so much easier to get up in the morning when it's light out. So even though it's dark now, as we're recording at 520 p.m., I appreciate that when my alarm went off this morning, the room was nice and bright. And I had a second where I thought maybe I overslept, but I did not. All right, so. real
0: quick for our listeners,
1: explain
0: the energy savings of daylight savings.
1: I don't know, Price. I don't think there are actually any energy <laughs> savings. This is a, re- my understanding is this is a relic that goes back to when we were more of an um, agricultural society. And so it was partially. Um, to keep kids from having to go wait for the bus when it was dark outside, but also so that farmers could get started on reaping their crops when the light was when it was still light, I've heard people say they think it's outdated. Yeah. I haven't done my own research into the where and whys of it.
0: All right. With that said, thank you, Courtney Piper from the Tennessee Advanced Energy Business Council for joining us this week. Uh, That was, um, boy, she is awesome. Uh, She is
1: so awesome. Yes.
0: Yes. She is fantastic. I I know you talk with her fairly regularly, I think, and I had the chance to talk to her very briefly last week. So uh, then getting her on the podcast. uh, Awesome. Uh, I really enjoyed hearing from her what Tennessee, the exciting things that they've got going on their clean energy, advanced economy, and everything that's happening uh, in the volunteer state. And that segues perfectly to uh, put out our weekly call to stand with us. Uh, Join us, Republican.org forward slash join, because Lynn S. from Tennessee. She was one of our new members last week. So thank you, Lynn S. Also, thank you, Evelyn W. in Pennsylvania, Tony B. in Mississippi, Mark H. in Texas, and Joe M., just north of the volunteer state in my favorite, the Bluegrass State, Kentucky. So thank you to all our uh-huh. new members, Republican.org forward slash join. Uh, stand with us if you have not done so. Also, download, listen to, and subscribe to the podcast. Eco Right Speaks. Just search on your favorite podcast platform. Chelsea, before we get out of here, I know we're wrapping it up fairly quickly this week. Your take on the ongoing COP Summit right now over in Glasgow. Just any general um, you know, thoughts from above as it's obviously still unfolding.
1: Yeah, it is. And and having been to a few myself, I um, get a little geekily inside excited about reading the recaps. And it's great to see so many Republican leaders there. So as we know, John Curtis from Utah led the House delegation, but also Senator Lisa Murkowski joined Senator Chris Coons' delegation. Chris Coons is a Democrat from Delaware, um, one of the co-founders of the Climate s- The Senate Climate Solutions Caucus. Too many caucuses (laughs) in Texas. forces to remember. But he co-founded that with his buddy, uh, Mike Braun from Indiana. And so I was pleased to see that Lisa Murkowski from Alaska, a state that is on the front lines of climate change, is at that COP. And she said something interesting, Price, um, at a summit uh, or an an event that the Atlantic Council had. And what she said, I'm just going to read her quote. If there's going to be a fee on carbon as a transformational policy, it will only come about if it is bipartisan. And how often do we say that, right, that things need to be durable? She goes on to say no one is going to make the investment. They are going to wait till the next administration to see who is in charge, that being the warning if it is not bipartisan. So just beating that drum, durable policy always has to have support from both sides and Senator Lisa Murkowski gets it. She has not always been for a carbon tax, so it's been sort of exciting to see her shift her thinking on that. Um, so that was the highlight for me, Price, and what's going on. And, you know, they work until those final minutes of the COP trying to figure out what the different countries are going to agree to. So stay tuned.
0: Stay tuned. All right, that does it for this week's episode as we barrel toward the end of 2021, we got a lot more coming between now and the end of the year. Old episodes, certainly, we've got plenty of them for you to check out. If you're brand new to the EcoRight Speaks, a lot of episodes that you can go back and listen to for your listening pleasure. And an array of guests on different topics. We got you covered here at the EcoRight Speaks. And until then, Chelsea, we will talk to you next week.
1: Talk to you next week.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's edition of the Eco-Right Speaks podcast brought to you by the team at RepublicEN.org. Make sure to visit RepublicEN.org to learn more and find out how you can be a local Eco-Right leader.